Revolutionary greetings. This is Victor Coronado alongside Nick Ayala and Carlos Cruz Mosquera. This is Anticonquista. You can find us at anticonquista.com. Um, we're also on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, this is now the 11th episode of Nuestra America, um, a weekly news roundup of, of things happening in Latin America. This week's theme and um, title of the program is Scientific Socialists versus Conspiracy Theorists. The struggle for Latin American critical thought. Comrades, how we doing? Oh, Great. good, comrade. All right, all right. So who wants to begin? Let's let's uh let's set it off. Scientific socialists versus conspiracy theorists. Are your thoughts? <laughs> um, yeah, no, so you know, like we were saying just before coming on there, it's, it's a broad topic. Um, and what we want to do tonight is basically um, you know, it's it's something that I don't know about you guys, but growing up, like in our community, in the in the Latin community here in London, we would always have that in school, like the, the debates. Like um, I remember when the whole Illuminati thing came about, like uh, it was everywhere, and like you know, people discussing it, and, you know, like it was a like you know, like it was a matter of fact. Like yeah, for sure, there's Illuminati running the show, and um, you know, getting us to do wild wild shit and believe in wild things, and and. And so, yeah, so it's a, it's a thing in our community to believe certain conspiracy theories. Um, you know, I guess the, the kind of way that conspiracy theories work are, are kind of similar to how religion works, uh, which uh, is based on, yeah, so, so that's, that's where you pitch it against science. Um, you know, where, where is the evidence? How do you arrive to these conclusions? Where do you get your information from? Um, and... And conspiracy, conspiracy theories and, and religion have a lot in common when it comes to that. You know, it's it's scripture or it's you know you don't really question where who the source is. Is it reliable? Who said it? Um, uh, and and yeah, and and you know, like we said before coming on there, we don't want to um, you know take this uh, moral high ground or, or or act as if you know we're Oh, looking down on these conspiracy theories and our theorists in our community or these religious people in our community. Uh, it's not about that, but it is about critiquing, you know, how we, um, I guess, consume information, where we, you know, what is reliable sources for us. Because at the end of the day, all of this uh, boils down to what are we going to do with that information? Is it going to, um, is it going to make us act and, and try and transform society? Is it going to make us more, uh feel more solidarity with what's going on around the world is, is it gonna make a spring into action um and and what we would argue well why what i would argue today is that conspiracy theories tend um and and oftentimes religions but not all the time um tend to uh paralyze us tend to kind of keep us in a kind of mode where we um accept that there's injustice or something evil in the world but but you know, there's nothing to do about it. We just have to either leave it to God, or if, if we're religious, or or if we are conspiracy theorists, we we have to leave it to uh, I don't know fate, or, or I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what, but but conspiracy theorists tend to just you know be online and and not really uh, want to transform the world, not really want to be uh, revolutionary agents in in terms of changing the the conditions of the world. So so yeah, that that would be my first thoughts on that. Yeah, so 
one of the things I, I guess I think is first important to bring up, um, we were kind of talking about this before, is conspiracy theory is a, is a broad topic. So there's a lot of different things we could touch on. Um, I, I would t- start with touching on like, well, what do we even mean? How do we even define what a conspiracy theory is or what conspiracy theories are? Um, I remember when I first, like, I, I, I think I've said this on, on previous Anti-Conquista broadcast, I really got into them. Um, before I was into socialism, I spent like a good year maybe just like diving deep into like UFOs and all these alien conspiracies. And, and you'll find crazy shit out there. People will be like, be like, I have a whole anthology of every whatever species exists in the universe. And it's total bullshit, right? They, they get it out of nowhere. Um, they just make shit up. But, you know, I was I was into that. And I think to some extent, some of the folks who are into conspiracy theories is um, it's a matter of like critical thinking. It's a matter of like they, they, they actually want to investigate things, but they're just going about it the wrong way or they're relying on sources which are are not trusted or not uh, well researched. And we'll probably talk about that later. But I think, too, part of a part of what conspiracy theory really means uh, is, is like, let's break down the word. It means like conspiring to do something. Right. And that really is something that happens all the time. There's constant conspiring to do things. And so. I like to think of conspiracy theories in, in another way too, where it's like all of the things that we hear in the in the U.S. and the imperialist propaganda that's bullshit. Uh, you know that there was a revolution in Cuba in July this past year. That there's this uh, uh, that the Chinese are like committing a genocide against Muslims. That the Syrian government was using chemical warfare. That you know Venezuela, Cuba are dictatorships. Those are all conspiracy theories. Those are all based on completely no evidence. It's completely falsified. It's like the whole Russia stole the election thing. It's, it's made up bullshit that's really just meant to, it's meant to, like like Carlos said, paralyze our, our people into thinking that, oh, you know, the the we're, we're being uh, undermined by some nefarious group that we can't do anything about. And our ruling class, our, our leaders, our, our nation is going to protect us from it. And it's it's bullshit, right? It's, it's a complete lie. Um, but those are, you know, intentionally made conspiracy theories thought up by you know us uk uh, western imperialists in order to confuse and uh, make our people hate actual you know revolutionary social movements on, on the ground and i think that's important to think about um how we how we you know inv- how we imagine conspiracy theories uh, i i would i would argue i would agree with most of that but i i, I would disagree like the the um, Majority of the time, I don't think it's a is a conscious kind of decision of, or I don't know if that's what you were saying, Nick, but like a conscious decision of, of the imperialists to to try and um, paralyze us with with this thing. I think coincidentally, it helps. It it helps them because it does paralyze us. Um, I don't think there is a a push necessarily or a conscious push to to you know try and. Um, Make us believe, well, particularly like particularly like Illuminati and that kind of thing. Like, I don't think it's a is a conscious thing of of the empire yeah. of, of these governments to to push it out there. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it definitely it definitely does help them because it it mystifies the situation. You know, it makes it into this supernatural kind of situation where there's very little you can do apart from accept accept it as a fact and and i wanted to add also like a lot of this comes from david ike you know this british guy i don't know if you guys have heard of him yeah. um he's this british guy who used to be a footballer or a soccer player as you guys call it 
Um, and in in one interview, he comes on, I think it was on the BBC, um, and he, he starts talking about like reptiles um, being in power and taking over the world. And, and he became super famous because of it. Um, like lots of attention. I guess people out there kind of had some track to it had some track so so yeah so he got a, a massive following and a lot of those conspiracy fears comes from, comes from this guy um with and the nonsense that he comes out with like the the whole reptile thing he took it from a movie like in the 1960s or 70s i think it's called v and it, and it's exactly that it's you know this sci-fi movie about aliens like invading the world and camouflaging and political and and in the monarchies and um and you know it is ridiculous it is you know a very ridiculous uh proposition <laughs> but yeah a lot of us unfortunately a lot of our community are, are influenced directly or indirectly by this guy david ike um he's a charlatan and also to say that he he's not just a crazy he's not crazy i wouldn't say he's crazy at all he's right. very intelligent and very logical because he earns millions of pounds um he's earned millions of pounds over the decades uh spouting this this rubbish to to people um yeah yeah that, that's the thing too a lot of these folks who lead these theories are you know they, they're scammers right it's all about money it's all about making money off of uh off of our people um and i think too uh i, I wouldn't even say it's a disagreement carlos i think we're just talking about two different types of conspiracy theories like i you know there's ones where the government conspires to, to put out false propaganda and really, you know, confuse people. And then there's ones that are made by like these scammers and grifters. All right, but yeah, yeah. And I think too, like, cause there was, a, there was a case recently here in Jersey where, where actually that happened. You had um, a woman who basically was creating fake coronavirus uh, vac uh, vaccine cards. And she was like putting people into the system and, and acting like they were, um, you know, they were vaccinated when they weren't. And she was making, you know, uh, $100, $200 off of each card. And so, you know, the, the, it's crazy to me because you'll have people talk about the, the deep state or like these big corporations or these big, these rich individuals who are like plotting to take over the world and they're doing it through all these money schemes. Meanwhile, the person that you're following is a scam artist who's taking your money. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's how a lot of these operations tend to work, though. So let me chime in by saying that. So I've always said that conspiracy theories are very sexy. They require very little research to be done. Um, and what happens is that, you know, instead of instead of doing that, the tough the tough work of like sitting there and investigating and thoroughly vetting your information, what's the source? Who is the source? What you do is you 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 learn of these conspiracy theories uh, either through some weird documentary or some meme that somebody put on Instagram or Twitter and you regurgitate it without actually doing any real fact checking. And as far as, you know, what this means for our people, um, well, one, it's dangerous because it confuses a lot of people. In this, and and uh, Carlos, as you said, it. Um, it just makes us. Uh, it just it does paralyze us, right? And and um, and it mystifies the world. And we don't. It's not complicated, really. When you start studying uh, the history and legacy of white supremacy and colonialism and capitalism and imperialism, like you don't need conspiracy 
theories because we have facts. We have historical documents. We have things that we can point to. In terms of being a social scientist or a scientific socialist, it's not hard to do if you really apply yourself. Um, and, and this is why it's important for people to um, if you're if you're an individual and you're trying to interpret what's happening in the world and want to make a difference, right? Because it's not enough to to just interpret the world. It's we have to change the world, and it's then it's important to link up with organizations that would be able to give you a materialist understanding of the world. You know, you you hear in the streets all the time, yo, mind over matter, mind over matter, the Illuminati, right? Um, all these or in our communities, and look, not to. You know, I have to be careful. I, I'm not trying to, I don't want to, I don't want to dis Papa Dios, you know, <laughs> my mother, you know, is, uh, uh, very religious. My family's very religious, so on and so forth. So, you know, I get how important that is for our people. I understand that. That being said, I've heard so many times my mom and my aunts and my uncles who still speak no English to this day and been here for 30, 40 years, you know, they say, vamos a dejar eso en la mano de Dios. Dios va a resolver todo. No se preocupe. Que eso va a estar en la mano de Dios. You know, and I've heard people repeat this over and over. And you think about that. When you think about the fact that Christopher Columbus, who was a terrorist, the Spanish, you know, I mean, colonialism was just terrorism, right? These were land grabs and these were genocidal maniacs who brought the sword and the Bible to the region, right? And... And so when you think about this, this has probably been going on for 500 years where you just, you know, you leave, just leave it up to God. God's going to take care of it. Um, and, you know, revolutionary socialists say, nah, that's not how that's we have to we have we have the ability to change things. We have the ability to organize ourselves. We have the ability to say that rule, that class right there is oppressing us. And they're exploiting us. And you can easily identify who your enemy is. And so you use these tools. You, you, you become a materialist. You become of this world and try to interpret this world um, as it is, as we know it to be true, by looking at documents, by, by reading certain historical books and historical documents and saying, this is, this is the truth. The, whether or not conspiracy by definition means that people are organizing in a secret way for an intended goal. And they don't want you to know that they're doing it because it's secret, <laughs> right? So this idea of trying to, you know, of mystifying everything and saying, you know, well, it's it's just some secret and we're not part of that club because these secret societies control everything. And, you know, it does become like almost like this movie-like thing that you start playing out in your head. And it, it makes us, yeah, it, it makes us, it does paralyze us and makes us impotent. And you're just like, well, we can't do anything about it. And that's, that's where... You know, that's where I would encourage people to study social, you know, Marxism and become a communist and become and, and and study these revolutionary movements and study people like Malcolm X and the Black Panthers and the Young Lords and so on and so forth. Because these are people who took power into their own hands and said, no, fuck that. We're going to change this reality. It's not we're not going to leave it up to some mystical. And again, not no disrespect. We're not going to leave it up to some mystical being. We're going to. We're going to take control over our own lives and we're going to determine what our future is going to look like. And so I think, you know, that's that's the danger of 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 conspiracy theories in our community. And they're very sexy and they're very popular. They require very little effort.
Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I, I would say exactly that. Like it it's so it it is appealing. Um and, and it's understandable why our people would be attracted to it. It is appealing, like um, you know, the, the narratives and the story and you know, I've I I heard a lot of uh, and I've read around like, you know, conspiracy theories have this kind of um a particular conspiracy theories are act like clubs like secret secret clubs that you're in on this information and it's like um only you only you know this and and you know maybe you are going to be brave enough to like change or but 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 it's always like a, a very like um yeah like the 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 end the end of it all is that you know something that other people don't know and like you're you're above other people because you know this thing but but there's nothing out nothing really that comes off of it um, um you know because because okay right fine like you you think the the world is is fucked up and is being led by reptilians okay what, what are you gonna do about it uh if it is the case you know it, it would help us as scientific socialists or as communists or socialists whatever you want to call it, it would help us if you wanted to you know be like you know fuck it let's let's go against these elites uh whatever you think they are uh, but they don't like that's that's not how it works like it's it's really just i i think deep down a lot of a lot of the people that believe in the in these conspiracy theories don't really believe uh in in what they're saying and and it's, it's yeah it is just about being in a club and feeling having the the feeling that you're you know you know something that other people don't know yeah and um i just want to touch on uh, uh like religion real quick um and I think too, we were talking like it's like like we said we were talking about this beforehand. We talk about how religion can be paralyzed and how it could it really how I see it is it it sucks that autonomy and that like that power that our people have. It takes the power out of the individual, out of the communities, and puts it into the hands of some uh, unknown being, right? Whether it be mystical or whatever it might be, and and I think that's a problem. That's where religion becomes a problem when it starts to disempower our own people and it tells them, look, just wait, wait until the afterlife, then everything will be better. You don't have to worry about today or wait until, you know, this thing may, may be deadly, may be dangerous, but you know, God will take care of it or whatever. That's disempowering. Right. But, uh, you know, Victor mentions Malcolm X and Malcolm X, look, he, he was religious for, for a good portion of his life. And, but he used religion, not in a way to disempower people, he used it to empower people, right? And that's the I think that's one of the key differences and why we, you know, uh, at least for me, I have I've, I'm not religious, but I'm I have a lot of respect for religion, and I, I would never take that away from people. And I've seen even in the organizing movement, a lot of a lot of the people who organize, especially here in the United States, are very religious. Um, and they're coming out of mosques and they're coming out of you know different churches, and that's usually because those folks aren't they're they're not being disempowered by their by their religion, they're being empowered by the religion. Not and and the, the sad thing is they are they are a minority. I think in the overall religious aspect, but it's an important and it's a strong minority at least here in the U.S. Now we can go to places like Nicaragua. We can see like liberation theology, and we've just seen how powerful that that's been. Um, and it's not even just. Um, I remember when we were talking to the Nicaraguan uh, uh, brother who came on to the uh, to the show with us. He wasn't even. A, I don't think he was like a Christian or a Catholic. He said he. What what was the religion he 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 followed Victor it was like I don't I don't I can't recall. He, he said it was like Eastern European or something like that, right? Um, no, well his he um 
the name, his name. I questioned him on his name because, uh, and this was we we did, we did that off air actually. I said, "How are you, Nicaraguan?" And your last name is, uh, I believe, his last name is Smith or something. So I was I was messing with him a little bit, and then he said, "No, listen, so this is what happened in terms of my lineage." But no, 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 it would. I, I don't think um, it had anything to do with the religion when we were on that topic. Yeah, but I remember he mentioned it during the podcast a little. Oh, bit. did he? Okay. He about, like um, his is uh, 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 the indigenous community he came from and the religion they had. Um, but it, you know, either way, it's interesting, right? Like folks can use religion in a powerful and a meaningful way. But there's also ways where it's just it's either a scam, like, you know, you got these people on TV who are like preachers who make millions of dollars or it's a, a, a lie, like it's disempowering. It's telling you to just accept the conditions that you're living in now and no matter how awful they are. Um, but, you know, we need to kind of reframe that in a way where it's it's not disempowering. anymore. Yeah. And I, I would echo that with um, with our what our comrade Rich, who's also part of Anticonquista, he's never he's never on here. He's like the, the background guy doing all the posters and the website and all all of that. Yeah, kind of shout stuff, out but... to Rich. Shout out to Rich. <laughs> yeah, and 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 he messaged earlier on in in the chat, and he was like, um, you know, he he didn't outright just uh, put religion to one side, which a lot of us tend to do. I I'm I'm guilty of that as an atheist, but he said um, leave. Leave spirituality, leave spiritual contradictions to spirituality and leave material, the material uh, world and the material conditions and what we need to do in the world to, to revolution and to socialism. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but, mm -hmm, but he said mm -hmm. something like that. And, and I think that's, that's the, the kind of approach we need to take as I, I guess as a, a socialist and communist is, you know, we um and and you know what uh, Karl Marx said that religion is the opium of the people and and I think I, I heard somebody say one time like he didn't mean it to be like oh you guys are dumb like you guys are dumb like it, it's putting you to like religion's putting you to sleep he didn't mean it like that he meant it like religion is the opium of the people like it it opium was used to alleviate pain um so it makes sense that you know in this fucked up world that we live in in this fucked up conditions, especially our people who, you know, the global South, we tend to be the more religious, uh, unfortunately, because of the circumstances, I would say, I would argue, the, the historical conditions, uh, historical circumstances, we tend to be more religious. Um, and, and it's understandable why. Um, it's understandable why, because of, you know, you, you're trying to get away from, from this terrible reality. But it's also true that the global South is the more revolutionary uh, uh reason of the world uh, for the same reasons so uh so yeah and and you know also to mention camilo torres liberation theology in colombia as well um and um how how yeah like you know we have guerrilla fighters like camilo torres who gave their lives to to try and end the suffering the material the material suffering of the people who used uh you know the the teachings of jesus in the bible to justify violent revolution against the bourgeoisie. Um, so, you know, it, it can be used, it can be used as a tool. And, and yeah, we, we, we do have to respect it. I know we were getting a, a bit of slack from, from people for using uh, the, the image of Jesus Christ um, with the conspiracy theory, uh, on the poster with the conspiracy theory side. But, um, you know, like we were saying at the beginning, there are, you know, we, we do have to argue the fact that, you know, it's, if, if we're for science, we want, we need empirical evidence. We need to, 
we need to be serious about what uh, sources we use for our information. Um, unfortunately, religion, um, with all respect, there's you know no empirical evidence. I would I would argue for it. There's no scientific evidence that would suggest that there is a god or that there is something supernatural. Uh, but saying that again, like we've been saying, you know, we do have to respect people's um, spiritual views and and let them practice their spirituality as and at the same time as as communists as Latin Latin American communists try and persuade our people to not leave their religion but um, you know take up the the struggle to to change our material conditions right now. Yeah, um, wanna wanna. Uh, point out that Mal Malcolm X and someone said it in the in the in the in the comment section. I said I would I would I responded back by saying I'm going to talk about that now. Malcolm X, remember that he started off with the Nation of Islam, right? Uh, left the Nation of Islam, and at the end, he was very specific about this. He created two different organizations. He created he he created his I believe it was a mosque to deal with the question of religion. And then he then he, he he created the I believe the name of the organization was it was the OAAU the Organization of Afro American Unity I believe it was the name, and he said he was very specific he said look I'm doing this intentionally on purpose and again I'm paraphrasing but we're doing this on purpose we're going to split it the Organization of Afro American Unity is going to deal with the, the 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 question the the question of politics within the black community no matter what your religion is no, no matter what you believe in. And he said something to the, to the extent of, if we start talking about religion, we mix religion and politics, we're just going to be all over the place. So he's very specific. So he separated those two things. And that was that was genius on his part, right? Um, with the question of Jesus um, being on the conspiracy theory side, just the fact that, by the way, nobody, if Jesus did exist, nobody really knows what the hell he looked like, right? So the fact that we immediately identified that image that that everyone sees everywhere, uh, of this of this white Jesus, you know exactly what we're talking about, right? Without even, you know, because it's just, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere, right? One of the things that bugged me out when I spent time in Dominican Republic um, is that I'm going to people's homes and, you know, look, I always get, I always get, uh, people always tell me, hey, you don't look Dominican, Victor. And I know what they mean, whether they consciously or, 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 or subconsciously are saying this, uh, or unconsciously, I guess, saying this, is that they, what they're saying is that you don't look black. Right. Because overwhelmingly, Dominican people are black. Right. And it bugged me out that I would go visit. I visited so many homes in the Dominican Republic when I was out there for, you know, for eight months um, and organizing. And here's a black people praying to a white Jesus. You see, you would see white. You would literally I would go to people's homes and it would be like revolutionaries homes. Like it would be uh, uh, Fidel. You see Che. You see Hugo Chavez. And then you see Papa Dios. You see Jesus, white Jesus Christ. It bugged me out. It just literally bugged me out. Um, and, and we have to be, let's be intellectually honest on many conspiracy theories, especially with the issue of COVID right now are coming from extreme, the extreme right and the religious right. And we, we can't deny that. We just, we have to be honest about it. And, and so for me, I do draw the line there. I am very respectful of religion. I believe people have a right to believe in, you know, whatever God they want to believe in and pray to whatever God. I think you're, you're never, history has taught us you're never going to be able to take that away from people. And we have to be respectful of that. Um, that being said, I do draw the line when you start mixing religion and science, right? Or trying to have religion trump science, right? And we're having this problem now. 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know something a, a, a scientific tenant is you hear you hear scientists say this all the time. Correlation is not causation. I'm gonna and I I will I will repeat that to the day that I die when anything science related. And you can apply that towards politics. Correlation is not causation. What does that mean? Just because two things, two variables are correlated with one another doesn't mean that one is the cause of the other. And oftentimes, when we're talking about conspiracy theories or when people start making up conspiracy theories, it's because they'll see correlation and they immediately say, this is causation. And so if you want to be a scientist, you have to understand that correlation is not causation. And one of the things I keep hearing is like, well, big pharma is evil and bad. And I, I grant you, and, and the government is bad. The U.S. government is bad. So then because big pharma has a terrible background, which we all think we could all agree on. We, we, I think, you know, there, there's a better way to organize this stuff and to create, uh, you know, biotechnology and whatnot. Um, and they should they should be reined in. There should be more regulatory. There should be, especially, you know, uh, you know. I don't know if you folks have been following the whole opiate things. I lost I lost a great fr I lost a great friend to to, uh, you know, to to that situation uh, on a drug overdose. And so I follow that, and like they pretty much get slaps on the wrist, right? Knowing that they created this opiate crisis and they were culpable in creating this opiate crisis. They knew they knew exactly what was happening. They knew. That people were getting addicted to these drugs, they were overprescribing people. The, I mean, there was a, it was a whole racket, and these big corporations just get slapped on the wrist. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody gets executed. Nothing, right? So, going back to my point of okay, big pharma is bad. The U.S. government is bad. So the COVID vaccine has to be bad. It has to be right because those things are correlated. Those things. So, and and it's just people. I, I hate, you know, I hate to say this, but, I, you know, you, there, some things are nuanced and some things you do have to break down and, and try to understand. When Cuban scientists are looking at the Pfizer medication and saying, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good vaccine. Right. The, the pandemic is global. By definition, it's a global thing. So there's this weird conspiracy theory out there that the government is trying to get us and trying to kill us and trying to wipe us all out. And that, that also the vaccine is a part of that. This thing is affecting capitalist and and socialist societies. Both uh, scientists in both capitalist and socialist societies are grappling with this issue, and they collaborate with one another and they talk to one another. They don't care that one lives in a capitalist capital. Maybe they do politically, you know, politically, but in terms of science, in terms of what's really happening out there, they don't give a shit that one lives in a capitalist society, the other ones in a, in a, in a socialist society. They don't care. They talk to each other. The world is shrunk because of technology. So they talk to one another. They they have they have different threads and forums and stuff like that where they share information and they share studies. This idea that somehow China is in cahoots with the government of Israel, with the United States, with the government of Iran, with the government of the uh, Russia, with Q, it's absurd. They they they're enemies. They're political enemies. So this idea that somehow this this pandemic was man-made and this is intentional and they're all trying to get us all the, the Illuminati is trying to kill us all it's with all due respect to to everyone out there it's a little loony when when you really try to break it down and when you really try to make sense of it all it doesn't it doesn't make any logical sense yeah yeah and um I know I agree with you Victor I I like I 
you talking about that, I just wanted to add on to like, it's crazy because you have, like you said, socialist countries that are opposed to the United States that are literally doing the exact same thing or, or, or saying like, this is just as serious an issue as they're saying it is. How did I know? And I always joke about this with my friends. How did I know the COVID vaccines were legit? Because I knew, right, right. I was thinking, well, if these medicines are legit, where are they going to go to first? They're going to go to white, wealthy suburbs first. And sure as hell, that's exactly what happened. And there was a disparity. Sure as hell, what happened after that? Then there was a vaccine apartheid. And now 70% of the globe, the globe, you know, human population, mostly in the global south, has no access to, to vaccines. What do you, why do you think that is? Because there's some conspiracy to, to inject you with microchips to get you. Nah, man. They, what they're trying to do is they're trying to just get all of the, they're trying to hoard all of the medicine for themselves. If you can't see that at this point, it's because you're deliberately not trying to see, right? And it's crazy to me because we have, we have people right now in the comments. I'm just looking through the comments. Like we have people right now saying this shit. And, and this, no, is, this is, this is a good one. Um, uh, Victor Coronado uses CIA and corporate arguments against COVID skeptics. So are you saying then then also then the Cuban government is also using CIA and corporate uh, corporate arguments against COVID skeptics? Are you saying that China is using CIA and corporate arguments against COVID skeptics? Are you saying the government of Iran is, is also doing the same thing? Because that's what you're saying when you say that to me. Right. Because no communist, <laughs> no communist believes that. Right. And I think too, like, like, just like you said, it's like, do you have to apply, you have to apply the standard to every country in the world. Right. But people don't do that. They'll try to, they'll try to say, well, there's something else. You'll hear all these folks talk about big pharma, the deep state. And, and they're, they're now like popular journalists who I've seen who are now trying to, trying to use these talking points because they're opportunists. They want that, that following. Look, there is no deep state in my opinion. There are different parts of the bourgeoisie and the elite ruling class who fight amongst each other. That's what it is. That's what you're trying to describe. But rather than try to describe that process and look at it through material, like scientific socialism and, and through materialism, you're adding this layer of like mysticism and almost like a spirituality of like there's this hidden figure called the deep state with all of these nefarious actors that are trying to plot to take over the world. That doesn't like. That's just that doesn't exist. That's not real. Right. These people are fighting amongst themselves. And, 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 you know, someone asked a good question earlier on that I saw in the comments. Someone asked, like, what do you think about these theories that have a, a, a little bit a shred of truth to them? Like maybe a, a one thing that they talk about is kind of true. Well, you got to understand how these conspiracy theory work. Conspiracy theories work. They what they'll do is they'll take something which is true. Right. Or maybe like a, a little bit true or, or partially true. They'll take that and they'll mischaracterize it. They'll mislabel it. They'll start going off in a totally new direction. And just to try to justify and legitimate themselves, they'll go back to that one truth and they'll be like, look, this is true. So everything else that we have to say must be true. Right. You know, QAnon will say some shit like, look, you don't like the Democrats. You don't like these politicians. They're corrupt. They're bad. They must be Satan worshipers. No. Like it's like you just take this little bit of truth and you just go off the fucking rails with it. And that's, you know, that's bullshit. Um, people need to look really, really people really need to like do more investigations. Really what it's about. Yeah, and I, I would also say, again, going back to, you know, not not blaming people for for going down this route. 
Um, I, I would also add that not a lot of us, especially, you know, those of us who come from, you know, where we're here, we, you know, we, we, we do this for the Latin American diaspora. Um, and, you know, for example, here in the UK, in, in London, particularly, you know, a lot of us grow up in, uh, underprivileged areas with like really bad schooling. Um, a lot of us don't make it in academia at all. Um, we, we come out if, if we do academia, we do like business studies things that aren't really about like critical thinking and um, or, or the sciences. Uh, and and yeah, so it, it's understandable why uh, we were not prepared to, to you know, to, to be critical thinkers, really. And I think that was the, the subheading of this, of this uh, 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 particular talk is, is um, you know, the battle for critical, uh, for critical thinking in Latin America. Um, and and that you know that's that's partly and and, and you know ironically that's that's what, what what it really boils down to is that we because of the conditions that we live in don't have uh, the the education or the access to 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 education and to educational tools to be able to to properly think for ourselves um, and on that point you know as as Latin Americans maybe we should uh, look at uh, Paulo Freire's uh, um, uh, work about critical thinking in our, in in our in our and critical education in in our society. You know, uh, making sure that we're not, you know, just allowing uh, our people to to be, you know, ourselves to 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 be indoctrinated by by the state and by everything else. You know, these conspiracy theories, uh, religion spirituality and and so on like uh we do have to uh as a people become uh critical thinkers thinkers we do need to uh try and become more scientific in the way we look at the world uh because because otherwise you know we're, we're just gonna revolve as a community we're just gonna uh, uh you know continue being this this community that's oppressed and that has no answers um, unfortunately, the diaspora, uh, we, you know, we were in quite a bad state when politically because of that, uh, because we're not critical thinkers, because we're so underdeveloped when it comes to um, uh, our political consciousness, which is connected to education as well. So, um, so yeah, we do we do need to you know, pull our socks up and uh, and try and combat that in our communities. Um. So um, the one the one individual I'm presuming um, uh, I'm going to presume your sex because it says on Dixie, but I, um, if I'm being presumptuous, I, I apologize. Look, if you want to send me some, I'm not hard to find you. A lot of people, by the way, I appreciate the audience because you folks, uh, a lot of people have been reaching out to me on Facebook. I'm not hard to find. You can find me on Facebook. Um, but if you can find something, <laughs> now she's attacking all of us. If you can find something to change my mind as a, as a, scientific socialist, I'm always willing to change my position on anything when presented with new facts and new evidence, right? Um, and so if you want to look me up on Facebook and you want to send me something, um, I'm not going to question your, your revolutionary credentials or your leftist credentials, but, you know, certainly, you know, uh, re reach out to me if, if you can send us up. But um, just some other things I wanted to, to talk about um, with this. Um, and these are some talking points I just put for myself. You know, when people are, are looking at um, 
if, if, if you're looking at specifically in the question of science and health, um, and, and that's something that fascinates me personally, um, there are a lot of really good scientific journals. I, I recommend you please, you know, vet what your source and make sure that you have a good source. But just a couple things to keep in mind when it comes to studies, you know, um, because journalists are could be really good at um, reporting certain things, but sometimes they don't even understand what they're reporting sometimes. So a lot of times journalists will, will put out epidemiological or report on epidemiological studies, which are the weakest types of studies in the scientific community. Like no serious scientist takes them seriously. They raise eyebrows. Um, they create curiosity. They may lead to future studies, but they show correlation, not causation. They're essentially like sort of surveys of, of people, of individuals, and then they collect the data and then they put it out there. Um, the gold standard of scientific studies are double blind, randomized, controlled trials. And so people, when you, again, when you Google this stuff, it's not really hard to look at it at a study. Um, and you don't even need to, a lot of times you don't need to read every single detail of the study, but you can read the abstract, you can read the, the body and then con the conclusion, and it'll give you an idea. Uh, and even then, you know, as a scientist, you cannot make a definitive statement based off of one trial, right? One randomized controlled trial. Uh, but you are able to make a statements, you know, or certain statements with a high or higher degree of confidence. And then if you get a meta-analysis done, which is, let me give the de definition for this. A meta-analysis is, is a statistical analysis that combines the result of multiple scientific studies. So it's essentially a study of studies. And meta-analysis can be performed when there are multiple scientific studies addressing the same question with each individual study reporting measurements that are expected to have some degree of error. The aim then is to use approaches from statistics to derive a pooled estimate close, closest to the unknown uh, common truth based on how this error is perceived. So again, you have epidemiolog epidemiological studies, you have the gold standard, which is uh, double blind randomized controlled trials, uh, and then you have meta-analyses. Um, you know, and even like that, I'll give an example. Ibuprofen, which is a wonderful drug. Che Guevara touted the, the wonders of, of this drug. I love ibuprofen myself. Um, I use it sparingly. I don't use it all the time because it's not meant to be used all the time. You're not to be supposed to be using it all the time, but it's a wonderful anti-inflammatory drug. All right. Guess what? Even as effective as ibuprofen is, and it's very, very, very effective. It's very, very effective on certain individuals. And this is true of many drugs. There are certain drugs that like certain drugs I can take and both of you can take and it won't work for me, but it'll both work for the both of you. I believe ibuprofen has something like a 65 or 70% um, effective rate or something like that, whatever the, the, the actual term is. In other words, 70% of the population will take it and will, re will be able to reduce inflammation. But that's how me that's what practicing medicine is, and that's what science is. You're you're practicing certain drugs on people and saying, and that's how we figure out, hey, certain off-label drugs will will work on certain individuals because you right, certain uh, doctors will give it and prescribe it for one thing, and then the patient comes back and says, Hey doc, I know you gave it from to me for this, but I got this amazing benefit from it. And then all of a sudden the doctor goes, Huh, that's interesting. And then over 20 years of practicing medicine, he realizes that, hey, sometimes drug X, while being prescribed for this particular issue, may also work for this particular, even if we don't have scientific studies to prove it. And that's the whole idea of practicing. I mean, it's, it's a whole world of, of, of real science, of real application, of, re, of really trying to understand how this stuff works. And I just, I'm saying all that because I do want people to be 
sciences in your own right, as opposed to, well, these two things are correlated or somebody put this meme over here and this kind of makes sense to me. So I'm going to just regurgitate and have this conversation and say, yo, this is what's really happening. Let's stop doing that because we don't need to do that. We have scientific studies when we're, if we're talking about health and, and science uh, and we have gold standards for those. If we're talking about the world, the economy, politics, society, we have historical documents, we have government records, we have history books well documented. So, you know, that was kind of like, again, the, the whole overarching theme of this is like, please, please be scientists. You don't need to be a loony, crazy, you know, and I'm not being, trying to be disrespectful, but you don't need to regurgitate all these crazy conspiracy theories that are theories that are out there because, again, they're ineffective. They don't do anything. It leaves you impotent and, and uh, paralyzed and they do nothing for our community. It just creates more more confusion. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to take it back to like the more practical applications, because I think you're right, Victor, like a lot of folks, you call yourself a socialist, then you got you got to be a scientific socialist or else you're nothing. Um, so, we, you know, we have to be scientists. But I, I would the only thing I would I would disagree with those is it hasn't done nothing for our community. It, it's harmed our community. Right. And we and we can see we can actually. And it's crazy to me because we got people who aren't even from our community. In other words, who aren't Latino, who are pushing these conspiracy theories, and who are the people who are suffering? Latinos, right? And we and we have the evidence to show that, like just just for COVID, right? For COVID, we've seen that there are so for for example, in New Jersey, there's a uh, uh, between the ages of 18 to 50, um, Latinos make up about 12 percent of the population. Yet during the during the pandemic so far. Uh, half of the, the people aged 18 to 50 in New Jersey that have died have been Latino men, right? So even though we only represent 12% of the population, most of our people are dying because they're mostly essential workers, right? The ones who are getting infected the most and who have the highest case rate are Latinas, right? Because again, they're essential workers. And because our people are, are living in homes where we're all living together, you know, the, the, the nuclear family plus the extended family, the case rate has just been exponential. Our people right now, like, you know, there was there's studies being done right now that are showing that children who are being born or who are like, you know, very young right now are going to be being raised without their parents, uh, it, like Latino children, right? Because their parents have died from COVID. Or our, our people, while while you know, while white while the white population had, you know, they were saying COVID's affecting uh, uh, the elderly people over sixty five. Our people who are actually still working because they were forced, you know, they still had to work during the pandemic for money because they were essential workers, whatever it was. Our people were dying at a much younger age. Right. So this has like a real world impact. And this is this kind of what pisses me off so much is that you people talk like these these theories, especially when it comes to COVID. They talk so much shit about how it's not real, how it's not real. All this in the real world, our people are actually dying from it, like at, at, at rates that they can't even imagine. And they're not being impacted at all, which is why they can keep repeating this bullshit because it doesn't apply to them, right? They're not seeing the deaths. They're not in the, the hospitals watching people, watching children die. They're not doing any of that. And that's kind of what pisses me off. It's like, you're talking out of your ass. Meanwhile, we're suffering. And I got, I've got, you know, I lose all respect for that because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's not even just, you know, it's not even just the, the deaths either. Look at the unemployment, right? Right now, Latinos have, um, they've suffered the most when it comes to unemployment. We've had during the pandemic, it was a 20% unemployment rate 
for Latinos. That's one in five households. That's crazy. That's crazy high, right? But people don't care, right? They care more about their conspiracy theories and the little clicks and circles that they that they like to to run in. And it's, again, it's I think Carlos made it clear too. Like it's not we're not trying to blame. Like I, I will, <laughs> me personally, I would blame some people. Like people who have platforms, people who have a lot of influence, and who are putting out this information. I blame them. The people who follow it and just go along with it, like you know, they there's still a chance I think to win them back over. But for those who really have a platform, it's it's just gross, man. Like it's you're killing people, you know, or you don't even care about human lives. Yeah, super, super responsible um, to, you know, especially now, like you say, uh, Nick, during the pandemic. Um, actually, myself and Nick wrote an article a while back on on vaccines and, and basically making an argument. Uh, you know, it's, this was way, way back when the vaccines started uh, being rolled out. And and we made the argument that you know our community should most definitely uh, uh, get vaccinated, and you can find our article on on Anti Conquista as well as uh, the monthly review online who who reposted it. Um, and also uh, an infograph that we're about to put out uh, on that uh, a similar topic, which shows a report that shows that is uh, that Latinos, especially young Latin Americans, um are suffering from from poverty uh, because of the pandemic. Um, and again, uh, as uh, Nick was saying, like high proportions of our, of our community uh, in the US particularly being affected by it. And um, particularly what ha what's happening in terms of their finances that you know, a lot of us are working class, we don't have savings. And uh, a lot of our family are older um, members of, the, of our family depend on us, so so that leaves us in even more that in, in an even more dire financial situation. Um, so yeah, so all of this like not vac not getting vaccinated, uh, uh, believing all these conspiracy theories and and wasting our energy and time on that just you know it it definitely has a, an impact a real world impact on in, in our community. So I'm just here highlighting the, the article that you were referencing. Folks can check it out at anticonquista.com. Again, that's anticonquista.com. And the title of the, of the, of the piece is Anti-Vaxxers Are Gaining Dangerous Ground in the Latinx Community. Uh, so we definitely encourage everyone to go. Please, please check that out. And in fact, um, we, we do also include a, a, a bit on David Icke and show, uh, show proof that this guy is earning millions from... From this bullshit that he's spouting, so you know it, it's not just this harmless hobby or or this like harmless idea that people have. It's it's you know people are making money, uh, are being opportunists, and 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 like Nick says, uh, you know, our people are dying, or if they're not dying, our people are suffering economically because of it, and we're and we're over here wasting our energy talking about conspiracy theories. Absolutely. Now I'm highlighting something else that the, uh, Comrade Nick sent this to all of us uh, internally. It's the this is a piece out of out of Cuba, uh, a Cuban perspective on the anti-vaccination movement, and this was written in 2019 by three Cubans. Um, and I just want to give them, I want to give them credit. So if you could just bear with me here, uh, one of the authors' names is Belkis Maria Galindo Santana. 
a physician with dual specialties in family medicine and epidemiology with a master's degree in, uh, master's degree in epidemiology and doctorate in medical sciences. Uh, she's a full professor and senior researcher uh, at the Tropical Medical Institute in Havana, Cuba. And then there's also Elba Cruz Rodriguez, physician with dual specialties in family medicine and public health and epidemiology. She's an assistant professor in Havana as well. And then Lina Lopez <clears throat> Ambron, um, let's see here, um, nurse specializing in public health and epidemiology with a master's degree in, degree in infectious diseases, a ministry of public health, Havana, Cuba. Uh, and I wanted to read just, uh, just, uh, just two uh, things out of this. So, uh, and this was again, written in 2019. Uh, here's, here's the abstract of it. Just so again, just sort of kind of giving like a, like an overview of what this whole thing is about. Vaccination is one of the most cost-effective interventions for control of communicable uh, diseases. The health achievement could flounder if measures are not taken by health systems uh, to prioritize immunization, increase vaccination rates, and educate health professionals to address public concerns about vaccine safety and efficacy. Parents' refusal to vaccinate their children directly affects public health because it puts both individual and group immunity in danger. Immunization coverage is effective only when high population coverage is, is attained. The growing number of anti-vaccination or anti-vaxxer groups around the world is alarming, contributing to falling vaccination rates. Troubling consequ consequences include disease outbreaks in several countries globally and in our hemisphere. This article looks at the history and features of anti-vaxxer movements around the world and proposes ways the Cuban health system through its national immunization program can address dangers for the population associated with potentially negative influences of social network anti-vaxxer campaigns. The paper underscores the role of mass and social media, health professional training and sus sustained competence, and the importance of vaccine-related adverse events surveillance system. Um, and then uh, if you could just bear with me here, I uh, just want to read the conclusion. see here. Vaccination is the most effective preventative health intervention after clean water in terms of cost-benefit balance and control of communicable diseases, but the growing refusal of parents to vaccinate their children as a result of misinformation spread on the internet by anti-vaccination groups put global public health in danger of outbreaks of diseases such as measles and uh, diphtheria. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. Uh, high immunization coverage, over 99%, has been achieved in Cuba with 11 vaccines against 13 diseases administered in the National Vaccination Program, and there are no reports of vaccination refusal. Uh, there is public trust in the program and satisfaction with its implementation. Uh, Cuban parents consider child vaccination to be a personal and social responsibility. While this is the situation now, we cannot ignore the danger posed by anti-vaxxer messages Cubans have steadily growing, have steadily growing access to the internet, both sci to scientific information and to misinformation. So ev effective education and communication strategies are needed for health professionals and the public they serve to maintain gains in gains in control of infectious diseases. Um, so Nick, thank you for sending that. If anyone's interested, they can reach out to us and we'll send that out to you. Um, if you can find it online, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a very easy read. It's like nine pages or something like that. But I mean, you know, and so it's almost an hour now that we've been talking. My father had open heart surgery yesterday. He's in stable condition. He's he's good. A hundred years ago, my father would be de probably dead. He had a heart attack. Um, they realized he had a heart attack. He'd probably be dead in another week or so, maybe a month, right? Um, we've made so many advances 
in science and technology. And for people to just <laughs> to begin now to become anti-vax, anti-science is is a step backwards. It's just absurd. It's ridiculous. Um, the world is is much smaller now. The globe is much smaller now. If I, I got the Pfizer vaccine, if if there was some real legitimate threat posed to the population by this vaccine, we would have known by now. Scientists would be up in arm globally, not just in the US, to say, people, please do not take that vaccine because it could do this, it can do that, so on and so forth. Every drug, every medication has a side effect, potential side effects, including up to death. The idea with va vaccinating the entire society is that when you vaccinate an entire society, when you do the cost-benefit analysis, if you will, if you do nothing, millions of people die by X disease. If you vaccinate the entire population, will a small marginal group of people get some sort of side effects like any other drug, including up to death? Yes. Right? So that's when you juxtapose both worlds, that full, fully vaccinated society versus not fully vaccinated society, the answer is simple. You vaccinate the entire society because that saves the most amount of lives. That creates a safer environment for the, for everybody in that society. That's the direction that Cuba has taken for itself. That's the direction that China is has taken. Um, it's the logical conclusion when presented with this type of a problem. Yeah. And uh, if I could just talk about that article real quick. Yeah. One thing that, that stood out to me was, um, first of all, you know, oftentimes in, in science, and they talk about this, uh, uh, there was an article that came out in the early 2000s, which really kind of kicked off the anti-vaccine movement. And it really was a movement that started amongst parents for their children. And that article that originally kicked off the movement was retracted several years later. But people don't talk about the retraction. They talk about the article being published. And it's interesting because there was a, a I think, a, 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 a like a, a news uh, article in thinking like Fortune or Forbes or something like that. That talked about how about 130 or 140 COVID related scientific studies had been retracted since the beginning of the pandemic. And so with all of these like retractions in these scientific journals, basically they're saying there's not enough evidence to go around to prove certain things. Oftentimes, too, there's lawyers there's corporations who are paying certain researchers to put out certain information that would benefit their side. And that's what we saw early on in the 2000s when the, when the anti-vaccination movement first started, but, uh, or that, that research first came out. Cause I think too, is like the anti-vaccine vaccination movement is not unique. It's not new, right? When they came out with the vaccines against measles and, and uh, mumps, and rubelia, which, you know, I've worked, I've worked in the healthcare industry. So I've had to get these vaccinations. Um, and vaccinations are mandatory already. Like if you work in the healthcare industry, you, you got to get them. Um, so these, when these first, when these vaccinations first came out in the seventies and the sixties, one thing that that Cuban article talked about was there was a huge anti-vax movement that came, came up about it, mostly in the UK, but also a little bit here in the U S and what happened was people stopped getting vaccines. And so there was a reemergence of of diseases that had never been seen before, like the whooping cough was apparently in the 70s, like all throughout the UK. Uh, measles 
a bunch of cases of measles started coming back up. So, you know, things that are completely preventable and that we could easily have stopped are, are being brought being brought back up just because people are, um, you know, unwilling to listen to the science. And and I think, too, we haven't we haven't really talked about this yet, but I think to some extent, like for some groups and some populations, I understand the hesitancy towards uh, like towards listening to science. Like, look, I'm Puerto Rican. Right. I can understand Puerto Ricans coming out and saying, look, they they told us they were giving us birth control in the 30s to the 70s, but they were sterilizing our women. And they did that to a third of Puerto Rican women. I, I could understand being hesitant of, of any medical procedures after knowing that history. The Tuskegee ex experiments. I could understand like the, the history of like the historical racism within the medical industry, especially in the West, towards our people specifically. I understand that hesitancy. Right. Um, you know, do I think it applies in this situation? No. But I understand why people why it would take some some people some time. But I think for the most part, that's not what we're dealing with. What we're dealing with is like, especially when it comes to COVID is like, like, like Vic said earlier, it's tied back to these right wing, mostly like white supremacists, just extremists out, out, like totally out there positions who, and, and it's mostly coming from white folks who are middle-class and suburban, who are fighting against this, this mandates because of freedoms and liberties, which if you're a socialist in the first place, you'll know that you don't even have those already. So like, you know, it's all a bunch of bullshit and, and, they try to use our historical trauma, uh, the, the racism that we face. They try to use that as justification as to why they can't, why, why we should be distrustful. And that's bullshit, in my opinion. Like, you can't, you know, that's, that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful to, to the millions of people that had to go through that, um, you know. Carlos uh, or Nick, any any closing thoughts on 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 this uh, <laughs> this topic, which is very uh, I know controversial and uh, could be contentious. Um, I think you know this this last bit has been has been great because especially like you know showing uh, the, the Cuban uh, academic paper and emphasizing that you know we we need to look at serious studies. We need to be scientific in our thinking if 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 we if we want to call ourselves socialists or or communists and and so yeah I'd, i would um again like going back to the the fact that the majority of our people don't have access to this to these tools to these resources um but there are there are ways we can like for example i'm i'm in academia so i have access to to certain you know tools that that the majority of our people don't have access to. But there's things like uh, Google Scholar. Google Scholar is a great tool uh, for people to use if they want to look up like reliable sources of information. Of course, politically, as socialists, we need to kind of fil filter out like, you know, there, there, there is going to be, again, going back to what Nick was saying earlier on, like there's a difference. There's, there's the uh, capitalist state and their conspiracy uh, which which isn't based on this loony thing. It's it's a logical. It's a is is wrong, and we oppose it. But it's logical because it's it's a you know they they're trying to impose a system, a way of thinking that that uh, that makes sense because they make money out of it, and and because you know that's how capitalism works. Um, but um, 
and then there's obviously the conspiracy theories are based on you know on on I don't know believing in aliens without any proof and no empirical evidence. So the point is, we do need to start finding you know more reliable sources of of information. I think Google Scholar, when it comes to especially like you know I research Latin America and looking at um, the situation in Latin America politically. If you want to understand Latin America from like a academic point of view, and you're not in academia, Google Scholar is, is great. Like you know, put Latin American socialism in Google Scholar, and you're going to find like super reliable uh, sources. A lot of left wing stuff, a lot of socialist stuff, some right wing stuff. But you know, you know, if we're scientists, we have to read that kind of shit as well. So, um, so yeah, that that would be my my last. Uh, uh, suggestion in all of this is it's for us to you know to use tools like google google scholar or look up try and you know let's try and make a list um or build resources of information books and authors who are reliable who are reliable authors who you know who, who aren't just wacky priests and and conspiracy theorists and and so on so my last bit on this is that I have a, so I have a link here. Uh, it's titled Manifest Destiny and Military Interventions. A careful examination of U.S. foreign policy history reveals over 400 overt military interventions and over 6,000 co covert interventions, each one a violation of international law and each an act of war against a sovereign nation. Um, so in, in this link that I have, here's a partial list of interventions with the purpose of affecting regime change, attempt, attempting or materially supported by the United States uh, whether primarily primarily by by means of overt force force so each uh, one of these is titled either of or co for covert operation or subverted election se um this is like stuff that's just well documented that's on record so i know we were just talking about health and, and science and covid 19 but just in terms of interpreting the world and understanding who's who's your enemy like imperialism is the is the primary contradiction and it's not it really once you go down this path it's really not that hard what just carlos was just saying it's not that hard to be able to piece this thing together because we have so many historical documents cia's by C, that's the government by our own governments but united states government admission uh there there's there's many atrocities that have been committed in the name of you know national security or whatever um and so it, it's you know i please please just think the whole point of this is to again to have a discussion yes but to really really get our people to focus on being scientists real scientists right scientific socialists if you want to consider yourself a social scientist because you don't identify with socialism or communism whatever um it's you know you're gonna you should draw to the, the, the same conclusion because facts are facts the evidence is is the evidence um so that's that's my final piece i thought that was um I thought today's topic was interesting. We got 30 people, 35 people watching and we're like about an hour in. So unless there's anything else, let's go ahead into the, into the headlines. Um, give me just a second here. All right, here we go. So let's go to Nicaragua. Uh, more Western media attacks on Nicaragua. We have a Reuters headline, which reads lost hope Ortega's crackdown in Nicaragua stirs fast, fast growing exodus. And so the piece highlights some unknown activist named Jesus Adolfo Tefel. Um, who was just like, a, a, I guess, a, a business owner at some time, at some point, and the government had did accuse him of, of, of planning terrorist acts. And so he was 
he was in jail for a while. He's now out, and I think he took off. Uh, and then it highlights that thousands are leaving Nicaragua to neighboring co uh, country Costa Rica, uh, stating uh, in the piece they state that it's the biggest exodus since the 1980s. And I thought it was interesting that Reuters went right to the State Department and right to the Department of Homeland Security. And so the State Department said the following. This is a quote. Uh, and this is just from a, a random spokesman. They know there's nobody, there's no person who's attributed to the actual quote. What we are seeing in Nicaragua is an escalating climate of repression, fear, and hopelessness, end quote. Uh, and then the Department of Homeland Security did not respond um, at all. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Reuters went to them as some sort of credible uh, you know, uh, source for for this particular piece. But you, again, the reason why we're going to continue to do this every single week uh, is because these headlines continue to get ratcheted up uh, in the Western media. Um, any thoughts, fellas, we, before we go to the next headline? I think, I think this is a, a great um, is a great example of the real conspiracies, <laughs> the imperialist conspiracies. Uh, you know that uh, to some people will be like, nah, that can't be. The U.S. wouldn't send funding and wouldn't train the opposition in Nicaragua and elsewhere. Um, but yeah, no, there's definitely evidence for it, and and that's why we we do. Again, I think we've said before, like I I personally do think you know I have my criticisms of of uh, the way things are being done in Nicaragua, um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, as we always say, like that's for the Nicaraguan people to resolve. Um, that's for them to, the revolutionary people of Nicaragua ha, can have in the past resolved their own problems and leave them to it. And we know that this particular case and, and this particular period, uh, because of the elections coming up, is a period where uh, the imperialist powers are, are pushing. And it's not a conspiracy theory. It's, it's, it's very much a fact um, uh, that you can look up. That, that the United States is attempt the United States and the Western world and the imperialist world in general are attempting to um, you know to to make sure that the at, at least the progressive the left in in Nicaragua don't don't continue on in power. Nick, anything to add? No, I mean I I agree. I think uh, I think Carlos put it well. Um, this is really what, this is the conspiracy theories that we really should be focused on and should be talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, another headline uh, here, this one came from our, our uh, uh, colleagues, I could say colleagues, if you will, uh, Orinoco Tri Tribune, uh, shout out to them. Uh, Nicaragua and Iran continue to create ties to combat imperialism as Nicaraguan President Daniel Ortega and Iranian President uh, Ibrahim Raisi, hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, conversated this past Tuesday night um, Orinoco Tribune ran a very, very concise piece, and I would encourage everyone to, to check that out. Um, heading over to Cuba. Cuba is on a mission to reach near full immunization. Yes, Cuba believes in vaccinations um, against COVID-19, including vaccinating, vaccinating its nation's children. Currently, about half of Cuba's population has received at least one dose of a vaccine. 3.5 million of 11 million plus residents are fully vaccinated. And so again, uh, Cuba is um, tackling this issue head on and they're not, they're not going to slow down They're They want to do this by the end of the year. Real, real quick too, on that, like just to go back to that, that, that article uh, from Cuba, from the Cuban physicians, you know, they don't even in Cuba, they don't have, I, I was trying to look this up, whether or not they have like mandated vaccines. 
And they don't even have that because they've, they've established so much public trust amongst the people in the healthcare systems that they don't need to do that because people are, and they talked about that in the article, people are, are looking to get their, looking to get their vaccinations. They want to get their kids vaccinated. They, they actually have so much trust in their system that they, they'll do that voluntarily. Um, which is the point where, which is what we would hope to be at, right? Which is a type of system that we would want to emulate, but you know, uh, we don't have that. I have a, I have a friend who, um, she actually lives here in, well, she's originally from, from London, uh, but she lives in Cuba now. Uh, she did come back, um, a few months ago here to, to stay here for a while and she didn't foresee staying, um, you know, she, she stayed more than, than a few months more than she intended to. And she was devastated, <laughs> devastated that she couldn't get the Cuban vaccine, uh, cause they offered it to her and, and she ended up getting the, the vaccine here in the UK. Um, but yeah, like she was telling me, like, just as, uh, Victor and, and Nick have been saying, like, um, the people of Cuba trust their government. Like they, they, um, they trust them not because they're gullible, as 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 a lot of us are with with the governments that we live in, uh, or the countries that we live in, and, and trusting our go our governments blindly. Um, no, they trust their government because they were very well educated uh, citizens, and um, and yes, yeah, awesome. It's great, awesome news. Uh, that that little island that has been strangled with economic warfare for for decades is able to to advance scientifically uh, beyond uh, any other country in in our region um, who have all the money, uh, all the technology, all the capabilities to to do it, but don't have the will to do it because uh, well we know why. I, I want to add that the cube the Cuban scientists have. Uh, reviewed the literature on um, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, and they don't have any issues with with either of them. So I just, you know, it's it's really important for people to, you know, because people say, well, you can't compare, you know, you know, for for hardcore leftists or fringe leftists or whatever the hell you want to call them, who say, well, I trust, yeah, I trust the Cuban vaccine, but I don't trust, you know, Pfizer's vaccine. Well, the Cubans, the Cubans have studied those those vaccines, and they don't have necessarily they have a different technology that they're using, but they don't have a, they have no issue with the Pfizer Moderna vaccine. So it's just important to put that out there. I mean, right. just, again, yeah, yeah. And I I just want to say that my, my friend, when she was like, oh, I wish I, I would have gotten the, the Cuban vaccine, not because she she thought that it was more effective or anything like that. It was it's more like you know I have the Cuban fucking vaccine, which is cool to to be able to say, but but yeah. I think I think just get vaccinated with whatever fucking vaccination they're gonna give you. Right, right. I think I don't want to. Like I don't know if you feel the same way, but I I would feel the same way too. If I if you give me if you put in front of me, hey Vic, you could take the Pfizer vaccine or you could take the Cuban vaccine. I'm gonna take the Cuban vaccine a hundred times out of a hundred times. That's not even a question. I don't think any communist probably. I would want love to meet a communist that says no, no, give me the Pfizer one. You know. But, you know, I just had a question. That's a matter of pride, right? You're just you're going to take the Cuban one, right? I would take the Russian one over the the the, the American one. I mean, I would, you know, the, what is it, the Sputnik? Um, but but I don't have that available to me. I have I have the Pfizer. <laughs> so that's what I'm taking. Right. And I just want to add too, like, think about like Cuba. Why can't they why can't they do exactly what Pfizer or Moderna did? Well, one, because intellectual property rights, right? They'll get sued right off the bat. And two, they don't even have like the, the because of the blockade and the sanctions, they don't have the technology to to replicate exactly what they did there. So it's like 
they they you know like you said they they do approve of the science they agree with the science and they think it works out but they don't have the technology to replicate it so of course their vaccines are going to be different right and you got to take you got to take into to, into consideration the context and the actual material conditions like we've been saying uh uh of what's going on right now absolutely and actually i got a, i got a piece on intellectual property um it's uh it's uh, ironic but uh, I'll, I'll i'll get to that in a little bit but um according to the hill uh, a new poll shows americans favor diplomacy over imperial aggression uh, the poll also shows americans don't see cuba as a top issue at all the poll also shows that americans are unconvinced that the barton embargo has worked um so for those of you who believe in quote-unquote liberal democracy there's your democracy right there uh americans don't support you know our position our foreign policy position on cuba yet Biden is 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 moving more and more. He's basically become uh, he's moved to the right of Trump, essentially uh, taken on his positions um, and extended those. And then also, uh, you know, has levied a, a series of different sanctions and, and started ratcheting up the, the, the belligerent rhetoric um, in Al Jazeera. Um, so we talked about, I believe, last week, it might have been the week prior about the open letter uh, coming out of Cuba to President Biden on COVID-19 vaccines uh, for Cuba. Um, it's for, for folks who are interested, um, I really strongly suggest it's, a, it's, it's, a, and you could also sign on to the letter. Um, I really strongly suggest folks read the letter. Um, it, there's, uh, there's three major points in, in the letter. Um, but if you go, if you just Google Al Jazeera Cuba, it should pop right up. Um, I really strongly encourage the audience to, to check that out. Um, um, moving on to the next headline out of Cuba, um, Chinese president, uh, Xi, Jinping um, talks to Cuban President Miguel Díaz-Canel. It has been revealed that President Xi Jinping has made a commitment to Cuba in building socialism and pursuing common development. Um, some people, many people, are interpreting that as that. Uh, I guess the one criticism that I personally have of, of China is that um, is that they're not doing enough. Um, and so my hope is that we can take this small island of 11 million people. And if China is willing to really be in solidarity with with Cuba to help it in terms of uh, uh, in terms of the, its production, uh, production of, um, um, and manufacturing and, and basically any, any economic development and turning that that small island, which seems to be trapped in a time um, warp to to let's 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 develop the country. Right. Let's develop the country. And China could do that. It's a small I mean, it's a small island of 11 people. It could also, in terms of branding, if you will, I hate to use that term because it's more like a capitalist term, but that if we could make Cuba, um, if we could turn it into that that paradise, right, that uh, utopia, uh, if you will, um, you know, I think it's in it's in China's even own uh, self best, best interest to do something like that. So again, I I don't know, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens, but. Um, you know, there's obviously a really good relationship there. And I just hope China does more with the question of, of Cuba on, on the question of Cuba. Um, moving on to the next headline. So um, this is right out of the grandma paper, uh, Chinese vaccine, Sinopharm administered with Soberana Plus and Cienfuegos. That's the headline. So essentially um, what they're doing is that it's a combination treatment to maximize the effectiveness against the COVID-19. So um, they're, they're doing this in Cienfuegos. They, they, they said, look, this is not like a um, some sort of uh, experimental thing. Like this is something that we're going to be doing. Um, and so I thought that that was interesting that they're going to be, uh, again, using this combination treatment of the Chinese vaccine with a one one of the uh, the Cuban vaccines. Um, 
off air we were talking about and um good old papa dios and jesus christ incorporated is uh is in the news in cuba as miguel diaz canel met with the different uh church leaders and religious leaders um and to try to uh figure out how to you know uh essentially collaborate the state and the church right um and so um yes Cuba is led by and um, is, uh, is led by the Communist Party, the, the Cuban Co Communist Party. That's who's in power, um, and you know many of those in the leadership are straight up atheists. Yet they work directly with you know with the churches and the religious uh, community. Um, Orinoco Tribune has another headline um, uh, that that I thought was interesting. Uh, Cuba denounces the theft of its COVID nineteen vaccine information. So this is what I was talking about before, and I'm just gonna pull it up. Give me just a second here. Um, let's see here. Yo, real quick, while you're yeah. pulling that up, can I, uh, I'll speak on the, uh, the religious piece about yeah, yeah. Cuba. Because when I went to Cuba, we actually spent uh, like half a day with them. Um, some, uh, uh, I think, a, a Santaria, someone who follows Santaria, which is really popular on the island, you know. Um, and, and if you know about the history of Cuba, you'll know for a while they actually had banned and shut down um, a lot of churches, specifically going after the Catholic Church. But uh, eventually they brought it back to the island. Um, and one of the things they, they talked about, like, uh, at least on the tour when it came to Santaria, was a lot of people are, are spiritual um, maybe not as overtly religious as we think, but they are very spiritual. Um, but their spirituality doesn't get into get in the way of recognizing who they are as Cubans, right? Or they're like who they are politically, uh, especially in the international scene, like uh, as Cubans who are under under a, a U.S. blockade, what they're fighting for, uh, the revolutionary legacy of Cuba, and all of that. Um, that, that, you know, I think it's important, like we were talking about before, that the religion and the spirituality doesn't disempower the, the people. Uh, and it still leaves them with power to, to see that they can see them within themselves, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, again, you're, you're not, you're not going to take Papa Dios away from our people. It's just, that's just the reality. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, and I, I would suggest for people to check out, um, you know, Fidel Castro uh, interviews uh, specifically on the topic of religion. I believe uh, there's a whole book, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think I have it on my shelf. I have not read the book um, uh, on that that particular book, but I have uh, read other, other um, uh, you know, interviews um, that, that Fidel Castro has done on the question of religion. But the, that one, uh, the one book I was just mentioning is, uh, I think it's called Fidel Castro on Religion. And it was uh, in discussions with Fred Beto. Um, so, um, definitely, you know, I, I got it, I think I got it on my shelf and eventually I'll, I'll get to it, but, um, but it, you know, it's important for people to understand that relationship. And he's, he said often like our issue with the, with the church initially wasn't because of the fact that they were mere believers, but it was because of their opposition to the revolution and their kind of revolutionary activities. Um, and so you had that, that, that dialectics, uh, you know, it's, it's been happening since 1959. Um, uh, Carl, I don't know if you wanted to add anything else, Carlos, before we move on. No, the, the, the only thing is, um, you know, remembering what you were saying, Victor, about your mom being like super religious. I, I grew up in a in a lefty household. Um, and and it's funny because my mom is like supposedly not religious. But now and again, she'll be like, you know, sometimes I pray just in case, just in <laughs> case there is a God. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it just goes to show like the 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 conditioning of 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 God and Jesus and our people in 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 our community is crazy. But you know, <laughs> the, so hold on, y'all y'all gonna laugh? I'm gonna make the I hopefully I can make the audience laugh too. So um, I'm I'm an atheist. I just don't believe in anything. I you know I just don't. I don't you know. Um, that being said. I will admit to that in certain sticky situations and certain things, every once in a while, I have gone to my mom and said, mom, listen, I don't believe in any of this stuff, but because you do, I need you to pray for me on this one particular issue. I mean, it's very selfish of me or whatever. And, I, and I'm like, maybe you know, know something I don't. And But uh, but yeah, so I, I do the same thing as your mom, too. I'm like, you know, just just in case, just in case in this situation, mom, can you? You know, and it's uh, it's kind of it's a, it's and a you know what it's like it's it's so embedded in our culture as well. Like in Colombia, I don't know if it's I assume it's the same where you guys are from. Like when you're leaving, or or when you're saying, uh, let's say I'm I'm saying I'm gonna go to Colombia next year. Voy a ir a Colombia si Dios quiere. But uh, but like even like even if you're not religious, you say shit like that. Yeah. Like I, sometimes I hear my my parents saying shit like that, and I'm like, what do you what do you mean si Dios quiere? But yeah, it's just it's just embedded in our in our culture. In our absolutely, absolutely. Forget it. To to this day, I go see certain aunts and and something like and you know, and when I leave, it's you know they do the whole thing on me like you know and they give me the kiss on the cheek or you know like it's just part of our people, man. It's just you know, uh, the one the, uh, one last thing I'll say. I always tell you know when we have these conversations, uh, you know, philosophical conversations, uh, my mother and I, I told her I said you know I've got her to I, I've I've convinced her that that if Jesus was a real historical figure. That he was indeed a socialist, that he was a revolutionary, and so we, she, she's kind of bought into that, and I think that's how we we should win over our people. It's like you know, and that that goes that speaks to liberation theology and the whole and the whole bit. So you know, I do there's tell a, mom. Like, sorry, sorry, Victor. There's a great uh, lecture by Amalia Shatella, and I think it's called "If If Jesus Was a Socialist, Why Is Your Pastor an Uncle Tom?" Something like that. <laughs> okay, it's a great and it's a great lecture, and he talks about that, like you know. Uh, kind of showing the the revolutionary traits of of Jesus, also the historical and political context of the region at that time, and and why like you know the the people of that region were like fighting the Romans and so on. Uh, so really, like they, they were fighting imperialism. I would I wouldn't really go to that to to, to, to kind of inspire me right, right. on anti imperialism. But if you're religious, maybe maybe it'll work. Right, right, right. I told the anecdote in, in the private chat that I know I know a particular communist and I won't mention her name. I know a particular she's hardcore, like if a theory just uh, amazing, uh, um, a, a communist in the Dominican Republic who goes to church every single Sunday and she doesn't believe in God. But she pretends that she does every every Sunday and throughout her whole life. Her whole thing is she's in the churches. She's and I say. But you don't believe in God. She says, I'm telling you, well, you know that. As she goes, these people don't know that, you know. And so she's organizing our people. Um, and she does the whole liberation theology thing, essentially, you know, but she doesn't believe in God at all, at all. But the, the everybody in the community believes that she's that she believes in God, like everybody. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should start doing that <laughs> these podcasts. Maybe we'll get a, a few, yeah, yeah, a few yeah. more hundred people watching. Everything. Yeah, yeah, but I, I thought that was hilarious. It was just so I had a whole conversation with her about it. I'm like. You know, I almost said her name. I said, you know, why, you know, why do you do this? And she's just like, listen, I, this is how I got to get to my people. This is this is where they're at. This is where they're at. So this is how I got to get to my people. Uh, Yo, I, I'm not gonna lie, I've done that once before. Actually, <laughs> I've done that recently with a mutual aid group. I ended up they they ended up being a church, 
and I, I ran into them. I didn't know who they were, and they were religious, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like I, I definitely stand out here, but, you know, you just blend in with the crowd. You, right, 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 right. You say the amen. Right. You know. <laughs> no you, doubt. As a, as a Latino, you don't stand out because no. they would just assume that you're you're religious. Right. I think the majority of the people, when, when they ask me about God and, like, my own Latino people, and they ask me about God, and I tell them I'm atheist. Sometimes I'm like, should I even tell them I'm atheist? Right, right, I tell right. my family I'm atheist, and they're like, oh, so you believe in the devil. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting. It, it is interesting being a Latin American, Latino, and being a communist and being atheist because you know, every, you know, you're in the minority. <laughs> like, it's let's let's be honest, right? So, you know. Um, anyways, continue on with the headlines. Um, another another shout out to Ori, uh, Orinoco Tribune. Uh, got a piece in there. Cuba Central Bank announces cryptocurrency regulations. Um, Cuba Central Bank signed a resolution announcing the regulation. The res re resolution aims to, quote, establish the rules based on which the Central Bank of Cuba regulates the use of certain virtual assets and commercial transactions and the licensing of virtual asset service providers for operations related to financial or in activities in and from the national territory, end quote. Uh, there's no, really no much further news on that, but it's sort of like, again, Cuba's going to be methodical. They're going to have these little baby steps as, as they roll this stuff out, and we're going to keep monitoring. Um, now, turning over to uh, Mexico, see how we we're at 130. So I'm going to skip around here with some of the articles just to make sure that, uh, again, we're respectful of everyone's time. Um, Let's do this. Let's um, give me just a second here. Let's just say, okay, so there's a migrant caravan heading over to the ports uh, of the U.S. Uh, from Mexico southern border. Uh, many on the of the on the caravan or part of or part of the caravan are Central Americans and Haitians, according to Reuters. Uh, they say fleeing poverty and violence are the reasons they are making the trek to the U.S. Uh, and that's uh, sort of the backdrop um, to uh, the following, which is Mexico and U.S. The U.S. will dialogue on September 9th to talk about immigration, security, and economics. Um, and uh, I thought it was interesting that Manuel, um, the president of, of, of Mexico, AMLO, or Andres uh, Manuel Lopez Obrador, is urging Biden to help migrants attain work visas. He also once again criticized the Medida uh, Initiative and said for closer economic ties and economic development. According to the U.S. State Department, no, no, the Medida Initiative is an unprecedented part, quote, unquote, unprecedented between the U.S. and Mexico to fight organized crime and associated violence while furthering respect for human rights and the rule of law based on principles of common and shared responsibility, mutual trust, and respect for sovereign independence. Two countries that is transformed by that relationship. However, Yo, Victor, real quick, you're you're going in and out. It's hard to hear you. Am, am I? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about now? That's a little bit better. Okay. So, whether over here is okay, I don't know what's going on with my internet. Um, but essentially, uh, um, I the president, the Mexican president, uh, criticized the current relationship that they have with the United States, um, you know, in terms of, you know, the way they, they deal with one another. Um, and so, they, there's an initiative that's in place. It's called the Merida Initiative. Um, and really, much of the funding has gone towards like private defense contractors and really nothing has gotten done. And, and AMLO is pretty much saying like, look, uh, let's focus on helping migrants get work visas. 
let's focus on uh, forging closer economic ties and pursuing economic development as opposed to this other thing of fighting drugs with the military and the contractors and the whole bit. Um, I'm not sure if you folks wanted to respond before we move on to the next headline. No, so the because you were going in and out a little bit. That was mostly um, uh, Amalo basically had a, a he has a program for migrants now, right in Mexico. Well, he's he's encouraging. He's paid, there, there's this tit for tat going back and forth between Mexico and the United States, and he's continuing to urge the Biden administration to push for uh, um, for for visas, work visas. Uh, given that people apply to certain programs and do it the, the quote unquote right way uh, and whatnot. And so um, they're, they're going to meet soon in some September 9th. Um, the relationship under, you know, between the former president Trump and, you know, uh, current president uh, AMLO was sort of a rocky relationship. Um, um, they dealt with certain things. They were able to agree on certain things. They weren't able to agree on other things. And so they're hoping that this is going to be like a, a reset on September 9th, where um, AMLO wants the focus to be on economic development, on trade, on business, um, as opposed to uh, the Merida initiative. Right. I think um, so. My, my thing on that article is it's interesting, the timing. Uh, the Supreme Court of the United States recently said that, uh, well, they they basically said that the, the Biden administration ha should uh, re reinstate the um, this act that that came up under Trump. It was called the Stay in Mexico Act, mm -hmm. um, and so they're they're trying to force the Biden Biden to to reinstate this act, which I I guess would affect the talks that they, he has with the uh, with Amalo. But um, it, it seems like the Biden administration doesn't want to do that. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think again, the immigration thing, in my opinion, in the United States, is probably one of the biggest issues, and um, you know, we I, that should be like the number one thing that people are paying attention to right now because that that is it's control. It, it, I don't think a lot of people understand it, but it's control of labor. It's control of labor that's super exploited. That you know, you can treat people like garbage. You can pay them less than minimum wage. You don't have to give them healthcare benefits or any of that. And it's our people. You know, again, this ties back to the whole COVID thing. It's our people who end up suffering uh, as essential workers or in, in, in extreme poverty and, and such. So, you know, immigration is important, especially to the imperialist nations when it comes to their labor. Carlos, anything to add? No, the, the only thing I would add is that I did see a video online, I think on Instagram, of... Um, uh, like Mexican immigration patrol um, kind of separating families is, is what the caption was. And it did look quite fucked up, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not, you know, again, like, and, and on, on the, on the uh, topic of reliable sources, which is, you know, we've been em emphasizing the, the whole, uh, the whole show. I'm, I'm not quite sure how true this is, but, um but yeah you know it it's important to it's important to again emphasize that you know amlo amlo does good shit there's also some some shit that can, can be criticized uh i'm not sure if this particular case is down to him particularly um uh, you know most likely not um 
but yeah, you know, it's it's a super hard situation there in Central American uh, for for Central American people, Central American migrants in in, in Mexico and and the U.S. Um, and yeah, and, and like you guys were saying, that like we we definitely need to pay more attention to to that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, moving right along, um, let's see here. Of According to a piece in Telesur, um, uh, the Anya's regime tried to assassinate uh, Evo Morales in 2019, according to uh, some information that came out of Mexico. So, um, again, just to, just in, for the sake of time, um, you know, for folk, if you want to check out the rest of that, just, you know, again, uh, Google Telesur, um, you know, Morales, and it should pop up right. Uh, it should pop right up. Um, let's see here. Moving over to Colombia, um, President Ivan Duque's disapproval rating is now up to 75%. So his approval rating is 25%. Disapproval rating 75%. Poverty is now up 42% in, in Colombia. And unemployment rate is uh, now uh, steady at around hovering at 15%. Um, Carlos, any? I, I know you do a lot of work around you know, um, you know, the, the movement there in Colombia, any, anything you would like to add, um, to, to that? Yeah. Again, like emphasizing as, as we have been doing in, in all of the shows so far, like, um, as, as a diaspora, as a Colombian diaspora, particularly, we need to be focused on, you know, it, it's great. It's great to see like his, his approval rating is so low. Um, but this has to also translate um, more more tangibly in in terms of uh, the you know how we vote next year. Um, I think it's an excellent, great opportunity for for a progressive government in Colombia. Finally, um, you know, to, just to, to to remind everyone that we in Colombia have not had a progressive uh, government. I'd say probably the most progressive government was uh, Alfonso Lopez Pumarejo back in the nineteen thirties. And he was right wing as fuck, but had had some affinities to to trade unions, and there were some reforms there. Uh, but but nothing nothing like what we've seen in you know more progressive parts of of the region, Cuba, Venezuela, Bolivia, etc. So so yeah, you know this is a perfect opportunity for us to 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 move on, for us to you know bring about a a progressive government and and be realistic. You know, it's not going to be a a socialist or a revolutionary government, um, if it's Gustavo Petro, which is the more likely candidate to come to power, it, you know, he's he's still within the boundaries of capitalism in, in terms of his ideology. Uh, again, like, you know, we hope to see reforms, but most importantly, what we need is somebody like him to come to power so that there's some, some kind of uh, leverage for political, uh, for political, uh, uh, freedoms for people to organize, for people to become more radical, for there to be space to organize and and meet. And because right now in Colombia, as you guys know, is is super fucking difficult to 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 be a leftist. Uh, you could get killed and uh, or disappeared or jailed or so on. So so yeah, hopefully hopefully somebody like Gustavo Petro or even somebody more more radical comes to power and. And we can finally turn turn the tide in in Colombia, just just as we're we're seeing in Peru. Though again, in Peru, there there are you know some issues that have come up, but but yeah, hopefully we we see something like Peru. 
Nick, anything to add? No, I mean, I think Carlos put it well. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so I'm going to go back. Uh, let's go back over to Central America and Caribbean. Someone's asking us to talk about El Salvador. I was, and I, I was going to, what I was going to do, again, for the sake of time, was probably at some point I'm going to do something a little bit more in depth on El Salvador. We have direct sources, primary sources in, in, uh, in El Salvador. And so uh, there, there's a lot happening there. But just let me, you know, I was going to skip over it this week, and I, I do apologize only for the sake of time. But being that somebody's asking, uh, the Supreme Court has ruled that the country's president can serve two consecutive terms. Uh, this has created, even again, um, there's some weird thing happening between El Salvador and the U.S. That even the U.S. rebuked that uh, a legal reform passed to fire. Another thing happened: a legal reform passed to fire all judges over the age of 60. This is uh, this new purge law also affects prosecutors and other judicial branch employees. And so the idea with this is that the president, uh, President Ayeb Bukele is going to essentially have this purge of the entire justice system so he could put his people in there um and his you know his party is uh, uh is in control of congress as well so um it's it's looking it's not the situation there in el salvador is it's we have to keep monitoring it because it's getting very tense there um um, just something else uh, to throw at folks from uh, in terms of what's happening in El Salvador. According to a recent poll conducted by the Central American University, shows a ma majority of sub Salvadorans do not want Bitcoin. Uh, the poll also reflects that nine out of 10 people did not have a clear understanding of Bitcoin. Eight out of 10 say they had little to no confidence in its use. Uh, meanwhile, the Salvadoran Congress has approved the law to earmark $150 million to act. Uh, essentially as a start startup money to create infrastructure for Bitcoin. There's a lot happening in El Salvador. I'm just going to leave it there uh, unless you folks had something to add. But I promise uh, in future episodes, we're going to get a little bit more in depth, possibly bring on a guest. Um, and just to close out, uh, just a couple things here in Peru. Uh, Keiko Fujimori, um, you know, daughter of, uh, um, of a dictator um, who was a who was a presidential uh, recent presidential candidate uh, lost to the current president Pedro Pedro Castillo and claimed that there was fraud in the elections. She herself is now facing corruption charges, and uh, she's uh, the, the, the certain preliminary trials are, are now set to begin. Uh, um, um, I believe this. I don't know. If I I, I got to go back and I think it was either this week or next week. Uh, uh, they're set to begin. Um, last thing on Peru, um, and I know we wanted to have a little bit of discussion on this. Uh, I have my my concerns about this, but the Castillo administration signed a deal with USAID, uh, which has essentially been an imperial arm of the CIA. Um, so your your thoughts, comrades, on that deal with uh, which uh, we saw came through on, on, and it was celebrated on Twitter by the by USAID Peru. I think I think we have to look into. I I haven't really uh, read into that uh, properly, um, but just on the surface, I think that um, you know it is difficult to. And and you know we have been saying this all along. Um, we we shouldn't get too excited with with uh, Pedro Castillo, not because you know we. We, we do think he's a comrade. We do think that he, he's got the right intention, but this is a de democratic revolution, which, which means that it's, uh, it still has to act within the boundaries of, uh, you know, the, the, the existing state, uh, which means that they have to meet 
um, certain thing. They they have to allow certain things to happen. Um, I'm I'm assuming that whatever they signed with um, with you said is something they already had or something similar to what they have, and they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to rock the boat in terms of trade with the U.S., uh, which would mean that uh, Pedro Castillo and his government is less likely to. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is they 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 pro their thinking is probably let's not rock the boat. You know, we don't want a situation like Cuba or Venezuela where we're being uh, uh, where there's a blockade. Um, I don't know. There's certain compromises that they have to they that they have to make, and and I guess our hope is that even though the U.S. USA is going to obviously definitely going to be in Peru uh, during Castillo's administration, the hope is that there's some some kind of measures and policies for to to restrict them, to make sure that you know they're not getting up to the shit that they usually go up to, um, and yeah, and and I'm sure you know if if we if we see Castillo as a as a astute leader and his government uh, as, as being progressive, you know, I'm sure they'll have they'll have something in place, some kind of plan in place to make sure that they're not they're not doing the shit that they usually go up to, which is basically the non-armed uh, imperialist <laughs> um, uh, mission of the United States all over all over Latin America and the world. So. Uh, yeah 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 no I, I, yeah I, again i agree with uh, carlos's analysis um well you look at where we started with this and uh you know the the the, the getting rid of hector behar that was the uh, first foreign minister if i'm correct um he was a uh, you know he was a marxist leninist he was very radical very much accepting and opening and open to uh, uh, Venezuela and, and Cuba. And when he was pushed out, well, first of all, he was pushed out by the military, by the Navy. And he, I think at, at first I was kind of, honestly, I was kind of skeptical of what of some of his claims and some of his interviews, but I, I see now a lot of what he was saying about there being a kind of a soft coup against Castillo's administration. And I think when, when he says soft coup, it's not necessarily a matter of, kicking Castillo out of the president, like the presidency, it could just be a matter of seriously restricting and limiting what he can actually achieve. Um, mm. So only letting in some uh, uh, people into power and forcing kind of compromises where, all right, well, you're going to have to accept a foreign minister who is open to U.S. Uh, alliances or like USAID, um, probably various NGOs, et cetera. Um, so it's it's very clear that the the bourgeoisie in in, in Peru um, and the institutions that they control, like the parliament, like the military, are going to put a lot of pressure on Castillo. Um, and I think that'll be important to pay attention to and to kind of support Castillo uh, uh, when put pressure is put on his administration. Yeah, I um my my take on it and, and again I. I let me preface what I want to say by saying I too am in solidarity with the Castillo administration and and uh, and and that movement um, because it is a movement, right? Um, that being said, um, I do have that critique that I don't think that this should have been done. Period. Um, and I think 
um, you know, while, while I understand, I'm, and by the way, I'm always someone who says, you know, you've, and the audience has heard me say this before that politics, it's a, it's a very crass, ruthless game. And we, we, you know, we, we have to be very clear about that. And, and tenemos que tomar decisiones fríamente. Like you have to be cold and calculated about the things that you do. Um, so I'd be curious to see what, you know, what the, the agreement is, you know, what the details of the agreement are. But things like the USAID, NED, you know, having military bases in our territories, like I, I do think that the left has to draw certain lines of the like you have to draw the line in the sand and say there's certain things that we won't accept and we won't tolerate. Um and so you know this does make me nervous. Um yeah. you know um so I again that's my I'll, I'll just leave it I'll just leave it there. I'll leave it at that. I'd be curious to see the, the details of the deal. And even like that, who knows if they're really telling you the truth anyways, right? So as long as so as long as they're there, they could say they're doing whatever the fuck they're doing in terms of um you know, um, you know, mutual aid and and helping civil society and helping you know um, uh, democratic institutions foster blah 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 whatever the fuck that they claim that they're doing in 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 Peru, you know, secretly they could be doing something else, right? Clandestinely they could be doing something else, and so I, I just you know that's that's my thing with with you know, institutions like, um, imperial institutions like USAID, it's like you're opening yourself up essentially, uh, for, for, um, for some type of, uh, sub subversive activity, um, in, in your, in your own country. So I, I just don't think these places, these institutions have no places, um, uh, have no place in, in our, in our territories. Uh, they just, they don't belong there. Um, so that's, that's my, that's my take on that. I would, I would also add like, you know, I, I, I definitely, I obviously agree with you, Victor, but I also think like, you know, uh, um, a new government like Pedro Castillo's, they have to choose their battles. Of course. Um, of course. They have to choose their battles and, and something like this, you know, which to us, which, which to, to many of us isn't a minor thing. Like we know, we know what the USA does in, in, in the region. So, so yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it's quite alarming, but but yeah, you know, like we said, hopefully they they have something in place, and and also, you know, um, yeah, they hopefully just you know choosing their battles, and and hopefully they make up for it elsewhere. Yeah, one hundred percent. Again, you have to be very cold and calculated. You have to be. This is a a a very dangerous game. It's a game of chess, and you have to be better at your at. You have to be better at than your opponent at the game, and you know, for those folks. Uh, for those hardcore communists and leftists and socialists in the Western world that from, you know, planet Mars want to, you know, again, apply these purity tests to these movements uh, and to these leaders, understand that you're not there. You're not, you're not dealing with what they're dealing with. You're not, uh, you know, those are those, those are the material conditions that, and that's the reality that they're dealing with right now. And so they're playing. They're they're in a constant game of uh, again. It's a it's a game of chess. It's a political game of chess, and you just have to be better than your opponent. And again, and I think we mentioned this, Carlos. I don't think you were here last week. Uh, I think we I think we mentioned this last week. Uh, where the goal is to be in power. The goal is to understand, point out, you know, map out all the institutions that are in the hands of the of 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 the capitalist class, and either take them away, take it away from them or create 
other institutions that will then eventually replace those institutions. Um, and so that's the game. That's the game. So, uh, you know, without question, I, I hear what you're saying. And again, I, I, it just makes me nervous, right? The, the USAID, NED, you know, anything to do with the military, uh, US military or, you know, intelligence community, you know, uh, just it does make me a little nervous. But again, I, I totally 100% agree with what, what you're saying. There. Uh, my suggestion would be some, some, some agents, some, some double agents. Yeah, there. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Put up in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, folks, we're almost at the two-hour mark. Anything else before we, we get out of here? But, again, folks can check us out at Anticonquista.com. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, please don't consider donating to us. Uh, again, we've we've donated over $100,000 to revolutionary progressive organizations in Latin America and the Caribbean. So, please uh, check us out on all our platforms. Go online. Support us if you could. Share, like, subscribe. But, folks, anything else before we get out of here? No, just just like you said, you know, emphasizing um, that again, like we we will do this because we, um, you know, we're we're interested in in our reason, but more most importantly, we're interested in in making a, a tangible uh, change in the region, and and that's why we do this. You know, we um, all of us are very busy, but we make time to to come on here because we we yes, we enjoy it. Um, but but most importantly, and I was thinking today, like you know, um, activism. Like in in my view, this is like a new form of activism. Activism in the real in the real world takes a lot of time. Like you have to organize, you have to go to meetings, you have to go to protests. It takes a, a lot of your time, um, and so that so does this. To prepare for for something like this, we have to read up, we have to uh, do certain things. So that also takes time. Uh, we are sacrificing a lot a lot of the time we're sacrificing our own time to be here uh, but we don't see it we don't really see it like that we see it as a, as a sacrifice for for the movement and and yeah so donate your money so we can send it back to to latin america and the, uh, and the caribbean um you know recently we we sent to la fuerza de la revolucion uh, which is a, a communist party in uh, in the dominican republic who else did we send to i forget we uh, sent five hundred dollars somewhere else uh, recently. Um, to I'm forgetting, Carlos. I think you were the one who brought it yeah, up. Carlos, <laughs> I, I don't remember. Who was it? Now I'm completely blank. I have no, no idea. Okay. But... You see, to our audience, we're just we're, we. This is what we do. We just we, <laughs> we identify organizations, reputable organizations, and Carlos is drawing a mental blank right now. But this is what we do. We identify organizations on the ground doing things actually doing things and trying to make a difference and and we just oh we, i know who i know who we sent <laughs> um we sent 300 300 pound or dollars i don't remember to uh the women of uh in in a of maricana that's right the women of maricana in south africa who are uh women who uh, were victims of the maricana uh, massacre well you know their family members were, were victims of the massacre and they have some kind of group workshop in their community where they uh educate their people give them access to computers and anyway all, all this like great stuff um and and yeah we felt like as as anti-conquista even though it's not uh our you know we, we do consider ourselves you know obviously part of the global south uh, but it's not necessarily our people from our region uh but but yeah it's important for us to show solidarity to other parts of the world as well. Absolutely. Uh, so 
so yeah um and yeah and obviously you know with with all the money that we get from our patreon we continue to uh send it all over the region so please yeah do do subscribe to our patreon um and and not just that like you know like victor was saying share our stuff subscribe to to our channel follow us on on all our social media platforms and and spread the word right on right on nick anything else yeah no i mean i'll just echo what carlos said um you know there's another group we we, we gave money to right after uh i think right after we gave money the fuerza we went we sent money to the haiti emergency relief fund oh that's right yeah yeah earthquake. so you know even when things happen kind of like suddenly in in, uh, in latin america we we're we've been able to quickly respond which i think is good um we did that with haiti with, with colombia um so it's it's been good. I think the work we've been doing recently is very good and, and it's very important. And these these streams too are also very important just for getting uh, for doing the the educating aspect, right? Um, both politically and keeping people educated with what's going on in the news, um, because again, that's I think that's key. In my opinion, that's key to solidarity is right. actually knowing what's going on in the world right now. Being that scientific socialist, doing and doing those investigations into into materialism absolutely absolutely all right so let's end the episode there again this is uh anti-conquista this is nuestra america this was episode 11 uh scientific socialists versus conspiracy theorists the struggle for latin american critical thought we as always we appreciate the audience we we, we can't do the work that we do uh without your support um and so until next week everybody uh have a great sunday and um hasta la victoria siempre cuídense hasta la victoria Take care, comrades.